When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNBR whenever you sign up. I'm your host, Adam Mades, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and host of this show, former Denver Nuggets coach George Carl. Coach, it's good to see you. Oh, well, we have spring in the middle of December. It's wonderful outside right now. Bike rides in December, wonderful. Are you going on bike rides? It's true, man. I'm in shorts today. Yeah, and I wore shorts to the store. Rides. Yeah, I'm two bike rides. And this week, I got one in this morning. What hat do you have on today? Is this a, this is a new one? This isn't a Sonics hat. Is this Cavs? Unfortunately, it's the Cavs. Oh, wow. You're a man of many hats. Um, uh, I don't know why. I like the NBA part. I'm not sure. But the Cavs are playing really well. Yeah, they are. They're an interesting I, team. I'm, not, I'm very impressed by how well they're playing and how well Mobley has given them a kind of a personality almost. What do you make of Mobley? I'm, I'm interested in, I, you know, I, I like big men. I'm a big guy myself. So I like the way big men play and the evolution of them. He kind of seems like a, a pretty perfect mold for this generation of basketball. I think he's a, I think he's going to be a, a, a recurring all-star here very soon. Well, I think big guys are searching for a personality and the personality that works is kind of like Aiton and, and Phoenix. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a lot of plays run for him. But if he does his job, he'll get he'll get a lot of shots, because you know they got to cover the three ball, right. and when you're trying to cover the three ball, you leave the rim open. And Mobley's doing a very good job of protecting the rim on the defensive end of the court, and also scoring around the rim at the offensive end of the court. All those things are beneficial to a, a winning mentality. You know, I'm a, I'm a still believe that the rim is still. I love the rim and I like the three. Mm. A lot, a lot of teams right now because of the analytics of the game is uh, they're loving the three and liking the rim. And I really think that's a not a not a great philosophy right now. I know a lot of a lot of teams are trying to shoot forty threes a game. Right. Um, and I don't know why that's the magic number, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I still like a balanced attack, but I still believe the game of basketball says go to the rim and good things will happen. I think it's funny. You know, I'm not, I don't feel the need to like defend analytics. I'm not an analytics guy or, or an eye test guy or this or that, but 
you know, analytics do say that the rim is the best shot in basketball. So I, I think I, it's always funny when you hear people say, oh, analytics is threes. Analytics is get to the rim or get to the foul line. And then threes do come third. So I think analytics is supposed to love the rim and like the three as well. Um, but, you know, we'll get into some of the trends around the NBA as we always do. I always like to hear your thoughts on other teams, who you're liking, who you're not liking. I even want to hear, I, I know you watch college basketball as well. I'm curious if you got to see Chet and Paolo and any of these other guys, but before we get there, we have a lot to get to with the Denver Nuggets, and I want to encourage people, if you're watching along, you can send in questions you have for Coach. We'll try to get to those at the end of the show, but we're 20 games into the season. The Denver Nuggets are not doing too great. Um, they're, they're not looking too good. I just want to start broad here. What is your overarching perspective on the Nuggets' this season so far, and you know, what's your confidence level that this is going to be a good team by the end of the end of the season? <laughs> That's a that's a long dissertation right there. Uh, I think uh, my gut most of the time is I think it's a time to be patient. Mm. We're only twenty games into the season. Um, they they have some injuries, but you know the major injury to this team, in my opinion, is Murray. It's right. not all these other guys. These other guys that are hurt. Are, are in process of defining who they are. Even Porter Jr., even though he had a good year last year, his start of the season had to make your head go, what's going on out there? Well, I think and we know the, the answer to that now. The answer is he was dealing with a, a back issue. Well, do you know that as an answer? or do you? Know? I mean, I don't know. I don't have enough information on was this I, I, have it on, I have it on good authority that he was dealing with this from the preseason. Oh, good. I'm glad of that. I mean, I'm glad that, that, that they now have a rational answer for his poor performance. But what's the answer for signing him to a max contract with a bad back? I mean, there's a lot more questions that can be put on the table for, I don't think, I don't think for the coaches, but for management, you know, they have, Two max players injured, right. and I'm I'm not saying Murray had a uh, uh, a history of injury, but I mean Porter Jr. had this history, and maybe they have a great insurance policy, and maybe they're in a you know that that they wanted to take the chance. I understand that, but you know as I said many times, that potential bothers coaches, mm. performance magnifies the enthusiasm of coaches and you know this league has given many max contracts to guys on potential and porter jr is probably one on that list well the last time we talked about the nuggets you actually mentioned about putting him to the bench and part of that is you just thought the team would look better you know with a guy like jeff green in the starting lineup we've seen that now i, I Jokic went out so we haven't seen it a ton but we've seen it a few games now what is your opinion on the way the team looks with Jeff Green in that spot? Um, my my feeling right now is the guy is playing. I think in a better trend is Aaron Gordon. Okay, I think Gordon with Jeff Green and with whatever lineup they play. Uh, I actually think Aaron Gordon plays probably best when he plays four, uh, but. I think his personality is evolving right now. 
His offense has more confidence to it. And I think Malone has always done a good job with him defensively. Um, and this is not, I mean, this is not enough games to, uh, to make an analysis, but it just seems like Gordon is more freed when Porter Jr. isn't on the court. Interesting. He's more, he's more confident. He's more freed up. And he might get a, a couple more touches and a couple more plays run for him, too, along the way. Uh, but, you know, I've always felt that organizations that talk about injuries all the time are really in, in a state of negativity. And they're trying to protect or defend their whatever, their personality, their philosophy, or their failure. I don't like talking about injuries because injuries happen to everybody. Now, career, I mean, year-end injuries, yeah, that's tough. But you knew about Murray. You knew he was going to be a year-long injury. Porter Jr. is tough. But losing him, yeah, you're losing a talented player. But you have a lot of good players on this team trying to prove themselves. Aaron Gordon. Uh, Jeff Green are vet, vet, more veteran guys that know that injuries happen. And I just think there's too much chatter about all the injuries. Everybody has injuries. Everybody but, has COVID. This is a Everybody bit like... Everybody has to handle it. You know, here's my question, though. Do you hear that from the team? Or you're saying you're hearing people like myself. You're hearing media talk about it. Because... I feel like the team historically has done a good job. Of course, Murray went down last year. They had the second best record over the final 27 games or whatever it was. I feel like as a team, the Nuggets have been good about not dwelling on it. Do you feel like you're hearing that out of coming out of the organization? I think your eyes are tainted. I mean, I, I, don't, I, mean, I hear it out Malone almost every game. I mean, I hear it after every loss. I mean, I have his stats and, you know, he throws out all this information and it's almost like he has an anal analytic guy telling him all the information of why you can defend that we lost. I don't like defending losing. I like losing to be a problem. Right. I like losing to be a mentality that we don't want to be here. And I want, and whatever players we have, you know, I, I don't know exactly who they are, but I think you're, if Jokic can stay healthy, I think they still should be considered a playoff contender and probably a good playoff contender. But the way they've played hasn't shown that. You know, it just hasn't shown enough love that they're going to be able to get into a race and come March and April to where they got to win big-time games. I think they're talented enough to do that. And I, I, and I actually think the, the league itself the talent of really good teams have kind of, there's a parity of, of seven or eight teams. I think Phoenix and uh, I think Phoenix and Golden State have separated themselves. Right. But everybody else, I, I don't know who's better between Utah and Denver. Right. I don't know who's better between the, the, the Clippers and, my, my, and uh, Dallas, you know. San Antonio looks like they're starting to play better. Are they going to get into the picture? Minnesota played played better the last couple of weeks. So from three to probably 12, there's a lot of parity in the Western Conference. And you, you only got to get in the top 10 to get into the, 
that that buy-in round or play-in round. Uh, I think you know. I, I I just think they're a good enough team with Jokic. I mean, Jokic is a tremendous basketball player, and I hope he doesn't mentally wear out or physically wear out, because I think he's good enough to carry this team to a playoff. Well, a playoff almost feels like a low bar. I mean, I I agree with you. There should be a playoff team, and you're right. Jokic is an MVP caliber player. I think he's a top five player in basketball. So. I, and and I, I strongly agree with you about the seeding out West. There's a lot of teams that just aren't very good right now. They're good, not great. So Denver could, you know, rise above that. I am curious, though, you know, when we talked when Steve Hess was in studio on our last show, the Nuggets were on a five-game winning streak. And you came in and said, hey, this Nuggets team looks terrible. And I thought at that time they're on a five-game winning streak. So how do you separate? They went on a losing streak when Jokic went out. They were on a winning streak when he was in. How do you jumble all this together? Because to me, this feels like almost three different seasons with Porter early, with Jokic no Porter, and then with with no Jokic. So how do you balance all of that and evaluate what this team is through 20? The five-game winning streak, I believe, was basically a home court winning streak. Correct. And they caught the good teams of that winning streak with problems. You know, Miami wasn't full. I right. mean, there's another, yep. there another good team that didn't play all their players. It was how they were playing that bothered me. You can win basketball games in the NBA if you've got a lot of talent and you're on your home court and the other team doesn't show up. Okay. So in that five-game winning streak, I just didn't think they were playing complete games. And they weren't getting answers from the – the problems that they had to solve and and then you know they go out and they they play really well against my miami and then they play that that, that second half against orlando <laughs> that, was, that was a mystery man that was what is, what the hell is going on here what do you think happened i mean what's your read on it because i thought that should be a desperate nuggets team coming off of a big losing streak i thought that was a game they would take more serious I don't, I think they got complacent. I, I you know, and I still think their person, their roles, and their personalities um, have not been defined well enough. And you're going to get when you, when you go on the road a little bit, that inconsistency is going to happen. Right. It happens more often on the road than it does at home. Uh, at home, there's more confidence. There's more energy that you gain from. But right now. Um, you know, I don't know what their home record is, but it isn't great. Um, and they have not played very well on the road. It's why do you think teams are more inconsistent? Actually, the more important or interesting aspect of what you just said is their roles aren't clearly defined. Help define what you think the role should be within the starting five. We can forget about the bench for a moment, but now that you have Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, what what is it you're seeing that you feel needs better definition amongst that five man group? I would like to see at least one of those players that you just mentioned be consistent. You know, I I like coaching guys that when they play good, they get 16 points a game. When they play average, they get 13 points a game. But you got guys on their team right now that go out and can get 25. And then the next guy get five. Right. And more I think Morris has been in that part. Barton has been that way. 
And all the guards off the bench kind of have been that way. And that, that's a little bit of a nightmare for a coach. But the coach also has responsibility how he wants to define his team. So I think Malone is not totally vacant from uh, some some blame here. But I think they got to get a better, per, a, a consistent foundation of playing 30 to 35 minutes of damn good basketball every night. You're never going to play 48 good ones. You're always going to have moments where you're, you're something's going to go wrong, uh, foul trouble for a six, seven-minute stretch. The bench doesn't play well for a six, seven-minute stretch. Or the other team just plays their butts off against you for a six, seven-minute stretch. It comes in different ways. But right now, I don't think their foundation of fundamental good basketball is, uh, is, that, is that that great. You know, they play really good at times. Right. They play right. they play really connected at times. Yeah. But then in the same game sometimes, and definitely in uh from a consistent standpoint, all those guys I think gotta find more consistency to help Jokic have more confidence that he doesn't have to play superstar A plus status every night he plays. Do you think that is you mentioned this earlier, but do you think that's wearing on Yoke? Because he is the one guy who I think is pretty consistent. He has been, in my opinion, for two years. He, he's pretty much great every night. So, Spectacular. But do you think it wears on a, on him, just when you're observing him, do you think it wears on him that you do have nights where Barton looks like, okay, maybe a borderline all-star, and then he has nights where you're like, where is he? Do you think that inconsistency is wearing on him this season? Well, I think he's a player that has a high basketball IQ and understands what the hell's going out there at a high, high level. So, yes, I think he understands there are certain nights he has to elevate his game. And, but I think he wants more games that he just has to play. He doesn't have to figure it out. He just has to relax and play. Uh, but, I mean, what he does on the basketball court, as I said last year and the year before, I mean, I knew he was an all-star, but I didn't know he was a top-five player. And this man is a top five player in the NBA. Yeah. And I think I think he's actually been better this season than he was last season when he won the MVP. <laughs> this last game aside where I thought he wasn't very good. But other than that one, I mean, he's been – the way he handled Miami in both games was was pretty incredible. Well, yeah. um, I, I mean, <laughs> we don't have to talk about Yogi's. We can celebrate him every every minute of the show, every every show we do. I was just trying to give some positivity into this man, just a little tiny bit, just to keep uh keep us even killed here. Um, if we uh, your teams, I know it's different every year because you you coach good teams, you coach mediocre teams, you coach bad teams. When does a team, in your opinion, when do you feel like they need to start having that identity and consistency and rhythm? I look at teams like Golden State and Phoenix, and right out of the you know, maybe a week or two into the season, both of those teams started to play connected. It's like they know exactly who they are. They don't, they take care of bad teams. They do all that stuff. Is the 20 game mark for most teams too early for that sort of chemistry to be clicking? For a team that was, that has been redirected or retold over the summer, but this team basically is the same team they had last year. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out why 
when at the end of last season, they were great. They were really, really good. They were really confident. Right. I have not seen that team this year. Yeah. I've seen Jokic, but have I seen that team where they they go into a game and wrap it up early? They've had a couple of those games, but a lot of those games is like Dallas. Dallas played awful. And they got and my they beat Miami twice, but I don't think Butler's played in either game. So he played know, in the first one. He played in the first one. But they're big wins. Usually a big win where you know you got it going in the right direction is when you can go into Golden State and beat them. Or you can go into Milwaukee and beat them. Or you can go into a good team like the Mavericks and handle them like they handle them here on the home court. Uh, that's usually a sign that you're coming. Uh, road wins, I think, are more like playoff wins. You win on the road. You're playing more like a playoff game, and that says to you that you can win in the playoffs. What is uh, kind of tell me about that value of a good win? I mean, I for me, Denver. Yeah, I don't know if they the first game of the season they beat Phoenix on the road. I thought that was a good win. It didn't really have that much momentum. But what is a you know a good win do for a team? And and do you see like with this Nuggets team, if they get just one statement win, it could be a thing that turns the tide for them. Well, a good road trip is where it starts. I thought mm. I, I was excited about Miami because I said, "Woo, they can go out and get four or five of these games." Usually on the road, if you go five hundred, you're a good team. Right, right. It, it's when you go five hundred and win against uh, a Milwaukee or win against, right. you know, a top team, uh, and a, and a little bit about you know winning uh, different ways. I think sometimes you win by making the three ball. Sometimes you win with defense. Some of the times you win with Jokic. Sometimes you win with your bench. Uh, they have won with different ways, but their foundation of success is not that big. Right. The foundation is inconsistent. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure this is driving Malone crazy a little bit because he's got to paint a picture every night. And that picture... You know, he doesn't know what he did. he's got, what colors he's got a lot of nights. He's got to figure it out as the game goes on. So if you were coaching this team and you're 20 games into the season, like they are right now, how, what would you, what would be your emphasis? How would you try to get the team to do the things that you're talking about, establish identity and roles and uh, get them to be playing more connected and get some of these wins? What would be the first step? I mean, that, that's more of a philosophical difference with me and Malone. I mean, I like... Let's talk about those I, philosophical differences, though. I, I like that. I think this team should be playing much faster than they play. I, I think all their good play... All their players below Jokic play better when the tempo is in flow and fast. So we're playing slow because of Jokic? Or are mm. we playing slow... I, I think you're going to, I mean, I just, for me, I would want them to play at a higher pace than they play at. Um, they play well when their shooters make shots, and that has been very inconsistent this year. And I, as I've said many, many times uh, in the NBA today is 
success comes with guys who can make passes and find the open man and make plays for other people. They don't have enough of that guy. I don't know who that guy is. Sometimes Barton will go out and get eight, nine assists. The next night he'll get one. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes Morris will give you a good playmaking game. I know he doesn't turn the ball over, but he doesn't make people better enough for me. Interesting. So, so for me, I'm probably more energized about give me more point guard mentality, more guys that can make plays for each other. Make plays where the coach doesn't have to organize and distribute the, the shots. Let the game happen. Let the game because I think that's how Jokic wants to play. Right. I think that's how he likes to play. For sure. So, For sure it is. So maybe I'm I'm not reading it well. Other than their pace is very slow in my mind. Um, and and the league is going to slowly find how, I mean, the league, when you have been a good team now for two or three years, the league figures you out a little bit. They trade notes. They trade scouting reports on how you can beat the Denver Nuggets. And I think that might be going on a little bit too. You think teams might have figured them out a little bit? Because as you mentioned, they've been the same style for a couple of years now. Is that what you're saying, Coach? Did I lose you? I think you. Uh, I think you got unplugged there. Your mic might have got unplugged somehow. I don't know what happened. Yep, you're unplugged. I'm a- <clears throat> there you go. Now you're back. Oh, I'm sorry. I have no uh, idea. You, you know, you got a guy that's in kindergarten with technology, so that's, you're gonna have to live <laughs> with that, baby. But you think teams have figured the Nuggets out a little bit? <sighs> I know you've talked about this in the past that you every year like to change up the playbook for that very reason. You don't want things to get stale and for the scout to get too easy. Well, I, I I think you're all we got. You always got to evolve and fun. One fun part of coaching is stealing plays from somebody else that works for you. Right. (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I mean, I've never looked at myself as a, my plays are more sacred than anybody else's plays. I mean, I, 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 I think as the game, as the season evolves, you throw some plays out and you put more plays in, and you try to fit the playbook to the personality and strengths and weaknesses of your basketball team. Um, and with Jokic, that's a that's fun to have. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would. I mean, I, I guess what I, if I had one thought in my mind when you asked me the biggest problem is Jokic is your point guard, and I think we're abusing that privilege right now to the point where we need another point guard that plays every night and has responsibility to help out on some of the problems that we have on the court. Is there a team that plays offensively, plays the style of basketball that you think the Nuggets should be adopting? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you mine. I always watch Golden State and how much movement, how quickly they move the ball. And I always think Jokic would thrive offensively if he was in the Draymond Green role. With that, the way the ball pops in that system. Well, I think it's – I think you got to be a, a little bit – I mean, the, the system in, in Golden State, Draymond Green's having a hell of a year. But, you know, Phoenix is having a hell of a year too with Chris Paul out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel when you watch Phoenix. I know they're coached by Monty Williams. But a lot of times in the game, I yeah. feel Chris Paul is coaching the game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that that foundation of a, a, a demanding coach and a demanding point guard, I think is rubbing off on all the other players on the Phoenix Suns right now. They're a young team that now is growing up right in front of us. Their confidence is growing. And the one thing a couple teams, I think, in the NBA have gotten better at, and I think Denver has not gotten better at, other than Jokic, is their defense, I think, is plateaued or maybe going the wrong way. Mm. Even though I want to applaud Jokic, because Jokic has become a much better defensive player. Where has he improved defensively the most, in your opinion? He doesn't have bad possessions. He doesn't have that give up a layup possession. Right. Beat. I mean, he's now more of a zoned-up big guy that has a presence in pick and rolls, but also a little bit around the basket. He's not a shot blocker, but he's there. He bothers shots. And, and then the other thing, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, I thought would be more of a shot blocker. I think Aaron Gordon's mm-hmm. a damn good defender, but he doesn't have a, a, a basket presence. Right. Uh, so, you know, and then when they're off the court, they're really, really small. I mean, when they play the two green bo- the two green players together, you know, you have very, I mean, I think they give you a good defensive effort. They play hard, but they don't have a defensive mentality that I think sometimes is necessary. Do you think the team should be looking to trade for a backup center? Why wouldn't you have a center on your roster that you feel you could play? I would think every team in the NBA, there's, I mean, there's what? There might be 20 games in the NBA a year, 25 maybe, that you have to play two bigs together. But there are a lot, there are those games that you should have it on your roster. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I heard Malone say it about him, uh, two or three weeks ago that he likes playing with a rim protector. Well, he hasn't played with a rim protector in a long time. Yeah. I mean, he had JaVale McGee on the roster. I think the counter to that is, you know, the Nuggets gave him one last year and he never played. Well, I mean, you have 15 men on your roster. And there are a lot of JaVale McGee's out there. Not a lot, but there are some JaVale McGee's that have no problem with sitting on the bench and only playing those 20 or 25 games on a consistent basis. And by the way, I don't know if you see Javel McGee's playing pretty good in Phoenix. Play, playing a lot for him, too, um, for sure. Why don't we take our first break, Coach? On the other side, I want to ask you about the fight that Jokic got into. It was a little bit of an old-school um, thing there. I kind of want to get your perspective on was he in the right? Was he wrong? What do, what do you think? But first, our sponsor, as always, guys, is DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, football fans, I know you're all excited for these action-packed, high-scoring NFL games, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet $1 on any team to score win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings <coughs> customers always get scored in games with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets 
for a bigger payout. I've been doing this nonstop lately. Seven, eight game parlays. They're super fun. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. That's promo code DNVR. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's jump right back into this here. So one of the big stories for the Nuggets this, you know, over the last seven, eight games has been the kerfuffle that Jokic got into with, with Markeith Morris. Um, I know you saw the play. Markeith came over and gave a pretty hard foul. Uh, Jokic didn't like it, goes in and chucks him in the back. How do you break down that sequence of events and, you know, how upset are you with Jokic and the way he reacted? And, and do you feel like he was at all justified with the way he reacted? Um, I, I, I can jump on both sides of the fence. I think most of my personality said I'm happy with what he did. I think you know the more the more special and great you be play you play, the more people go after you physically. Right, that's a good point. And it's going to happen more. And this was kind of a statement not only for Miami in that game. It might have been a statement that you know if you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you back. I'm not totally against that. I don't like being suspended. Um, And, you know, but the the situation itself, I thought was handled both well by the league and I think also by by the Nuggets. The stuff afterward with Miami, I thought was a little bush league a little bit. What's that? The the tunnel thing or yeah, you know, the tunnel uh, stuff where they went into the locker room and stood outside the locker room and stared at I don't know. So, so lame. Yeah. That's a little street and a little weird in my mind. Um, you know, and basketball fights are very seldom dangerous. I mean Well, this one I mean, might have been. Markeith is still out. He still has not returned from that. Well, you know, he he got a little whiplash here. But he yeah. also, I mean, I mean, Morris is a guy that's known for a little bit of an elbow and asshole game. Right. Uh, uh, and I think the game actually has more personality and character when we have more push and shove stuff going on. Because <laughs> that was my plan. How have, many fights did you get in, in your career, coach? Oh, I started about three or four. Okay. Uh, you know, back then. They, they let you I, do it. I remember I got in a fight with Brian Taylor for the New York Nets in a playoff game, game four. I remember it was on Easter Sunday. And a fight broke out all over the court. There's like It lasted like 12 minutes. And I started it. Brian Taylor and I got into it. We threw a lot of punches. And neither one of us got thrown up. <laughs> Just a little timeout, separate them. All right, here we go. And I think I never actually paid the fine because that was the last year of the the ABA. I got fined, I think, $2,500. And the letter came after my last paycheck. So I was going to have to pay it the next year, but there was not a next year. So I never actually paid it. For the year. A little loophole. I like it. A little loophole. 
Um, do you think Jokic's reputation? I, I think it's changed after that in a weird way. Like if you say good or bad, people, you know, they put them, they attach the morality to it. I, I don't want to get into that. I think Jokic did successfully send a message with that in that, hey, you guys, I'm not somebody to mess with. So if you guys keep thinking you could mess with me, just know I'm I'm you're I'm not somebody that you do that to. I, I feel like that message was received around the league based on the way people talked about it. Uh, the coverage it got, and and I think in in some ways it helped his reputation. I, that's kind of where I, I I'm with it. I mean, I'm not. I think it's going to take more than one instance like that to totally change the the image of the league. And the, the league itself is never. I don't know. It's what ten, maybe fifteen, maybe twenty years ago they tried to take fighting out of the game. Right. Yeah. And uh, but the one thing that that. I could go back to is I think the referees now are letting more contact go. There's more plays in the game of basketball where guys get knocked on the ground and the, the whistle doesn't blow. And I like that because there are a lot right. of plays you don't know who the foul's on. So let it go. Right. right. Instead of interpreting it, just let it go. Yeah. And I think and the referee has yeah. done that. I think the referee in that league has done that this year. If we go back to this Nuggets roster and, and try to dissect some more of their problems, I mean, obviously right now they're super shorthanded. They just brought up a player from the G League to, that'll probably play tomorrow. But if we go back and, and factor in Faku and Bones and Rivers and all the all those guys, who would be in your bench rotation? Who are the guys that you feel you you would be playing right now that are available to the Nuggets? We already know the starting five. Those guys are – I don't think you have any questions there. Well, I mean, again, to me, you know, Adam, you and I have talked a lot about how the Nuggets front office personality is a backup players against each other. Mm. And I don't think that's a good rhythm. So you think uh, this question should be more easily answered is kind of what you're getting at. Uh, at times, I think I interpret it as management wants their draft picks to play more basketball than putting the best players out there to play basketball. Mm. And to me, you know, the young kid is going to be good. Bones, I like. I like him. You're going to be surprised by it. I like him more because I think he sees the court. Yeah, he does. Very well. I think he has a vision. I think he's not a great passer now, but he has passing skills. Right. And I know everybody else is excited because he makes shots. Right. Which is good. But I think his shots is going to be inconsistent. They're going to go mm. in some nights. Right, right. And some, a young player hits the wall somewhere in the rookie year most of the time. But, you know, you have Bones, uh, Rivers, and, Do and Dozier. Uh, Dozier's out. I know, but, but, you know, he was there. Right. And then every once in a while, they played Morris and Fosu <clears throat> together sometimes. Right. So, so you had the same backup, but now that backup has been alleviated by injuries. But I, I, I don't think that means it's better or worse, you know, but what I hear is, well, the injuries, well, hell, <laughs> sometimes you didn't play these guys. You know, I didn't know when you were going to play him. So the injuries are going to, I think, be more helpful to maybe finding who should be playing. Because right now, I don't know. I like Austin Rivers as a defender. 
His offense bothers me at times. Uh, the Highland kid is going to be really good, but he's a young player that's going to have good and bad games. And uh, I, I think we all want him to play like he played in Miami. But did you like him playing against Orlando? I, right, right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's inconsistency a, again. Yeah, right. Um, we look at Austin Rivers. The thing that bothers you about him offensively is just the way he doesn't make one second decisions. It's always it's always a process, a jab step, hold the ball, jab step again. It's just very slow. Uh, it seems like he grew up with a little more isolation game. Yeah, for sure. A little more get out of my way game rather than – I think now Austin Rivers got to understand that Jokic and Murray and Porter are their guys. He's got to be a guy that figures out how to get points off of those guys. You know, by running the court, by, by making a good cut, by executing a play well. Um, you know, and so I think at times he wants to be maybe the old Austin Rivers where he had a little more freedom. Yeah. But he is one of their better defenders at the guard position, though. For sure. Is it possible to teach an old dog new tricks? I mean, he's a veteran player. He's been in the league 10 years. Is it possible to teach a guy? San Antonio does the best job of this. All of their players, and they have done this for a decade, they – if they're open, they catch it ready to shoot. If they're not, they catch it on the move so they can be in the process of attacking the closeout. Austin Rivers is a guy that just, you know, he's always catching, does the same thing, catch, jab, step, you know, pause. Is it possible to teach a, a veteran player like that new tricks? Oh, I think you can if you play him. But I don't know if you can change the habits by not playing. When you're playing inconsistent minutes. Mm, yeah. A player goes in, he wants more minutes, he wants more playing time, so he'll probably gravitate to going back to his habits. Right, right. And, and don't get me wrong, Austin Rivers, when he makes that jab step three, you, get, you probably give him a few more minutes. But, you know, I don't know what the, what's happened to their shooting. Their shooting has been very inconsistent this year. I blame it on Murray because I think Murray and Porter being your two best shooters right. are now gone. And I think shooting is a little bit contagious. Yeah. I think, I think when one guy makes shots, it's contagious. The other guys start making shots. It's true. And uh, they haven't had many of those nights this year. Yeah. You talk a lot about rookies, potential players, this or that. Bones Highland, you like. He's been good. Do you think, if you put your management hat on, is he a player that you think, hey, that's a guy that you go, you take the process with him to be good? Or is that a guy that you look at and say, hey, that's a good player. Teams are going to want him. What can you get for him? Bring in a veteran guy who's maybe three or four years further along. Wow. Well, I think, I think every phone conversation about a trade has got to be listened to. Because I think a trade might be the way to save this season a little bit. And I don't know who, I don't know contracts. Right. You know, and, and I think Malone has got to have a, an input on who he likes and who he doesn't like. Uh, but, you know, I don't know the trade, what free agents uh, are going to become available around trade deadline. Um, but you could save this season maybe. By getting a a guy that would buy out at trade deadline 
and then be, then want to come to Denver and play with Jokic. Uh, so I, I think I think right now, from what I see at a roster, you can be patient, but your patience should be, what can we figure out a month from now? When when January comes and then trade deadline goes, be ready to figure out what you want to do and still hopefully stay in the race to be a, a top six team in the West. What is the archetype of player you'd be looking for for Denver? I'm guessing it's point guard because you've mentioned it you know, now for a year talking about this team. You'd like a true point guard. Is there an archetype that you would be looking for? Well, I... <clears throat> You know, right now, I think with Morris and Fosu and uh, and and Bones, you have scoring. You have you don't have a real pass first point guard. Even though I think Fosu is a little bit like that. And uh, I think they're all three of those guys right now. My mentality are Morris is not a thirty-five minute player. He's probably a twenty-five minute player. Bones is probably a a 15 to 20 minute player. So you got backups playing starters minutes. I don't know if you can get a starting point guard. I don't think that's going to happen. So you're going to have to piece everything together. And the bottom line to me is I like Murray and I probably like Bones. But there's a hole missing right now when Murray's not there. Right. So giving all that responsibility to a rookie you might be giving away your chances of making the playoffs. Mm, But is there a guy that can bridge it? You know, can you bridge the next 50, 60 games until Murray comes back and hopefully he plays this year? Uh, But, you know, that, that, you know, I've said, I think I've said on the air here and I've said all all along, Murray's injury is a two-year injury. Right, it's not yeah. a one-year injury. I mean, I hope he comes back, and I hope he plays great. But the, the but history book tells us that he'll play well at times, but he's also going to have to figure out his body a little bit along the way. As I'm trying to gauge what that means, you know, this backup point guard that's a, the floor. Are you, like a Tyus Jones, I know he's a dookie, so I don't know if you're if you're going to hate him. But Tyus Jones, is it like that caliber player, what you're kind of thinking a team could use or somebody better? Oh, I would probably be looking at more of a – the guy I think is – that I really liked last year who was a free agent I think is doing a hell of a job in Chicago is Caruso. Oh, yeah. Caruso to me is a – a versatile point guard. He's not a great passer, but he's a great defender. Oh, yeah. And he's a steel guy, and he's a team guy. And he wins games by doing little intangibles of the game of basketball. The Denver Nuggets too many times tries to win NBA basketball games on skills. Yeah. I want more little things. I want, you know, tough-minded plays, uh, focused intensity. Uh, you know, I'm looking for things that Jokic would respect. And uh, the mental toughness of the team right now, and don't get me wrong, when you lose, you know, every, every coach complains about the mental toughness. But the mental toughness of this team is very, very average right now. Okay, interesting. Um, 
Kale, you bookmarked some questions for us. I know the chat had a couple uh, lined up for us. You want to pull those up for me um, before we get out of here? We got one here from Ray Vaughn. He says, Coach, <coughs> the addition of Devon Reed or Lance Stevenson resolve the roster balance in your eyes. I don't know if you have a scout on Devon Reed. Nuggets just pulled up a guy from the G League who's a, allegedly a 3 and D player. I don't know Devon Reed well at all. I don't even know what college you went to. So I went back to Philadelphia and watched some G League games with my son. And, uh, you know, there's some great, the G League is doing a great job. There are a lot of – the G League three years ago when Kobe was in L.A., compared to what he has this year and the games I saw him, um, the G League has really got some impressive athletes. Um, Stevenson, I don't know. I've always liked him. He's a, he, I know he's had a lot of triple-doubles in the NBA. I know he's a tough-minded guy. But I also heard he can be disruptive. So <clears> the, <throat> the balance is always on talent and character. You know, you want, you want, you want to sell, sell your soul for talent, but you might get a bad a- apple along the way. Right. I don't think Denver's in that mode right now. I think Denver, again, be impatient. Let them play another 10 or 20 games and be ready to make a move when that opportunity comes along. I see the chat right now. We're talking about point guards or guys you could bring in. Ricky Rubio, I think he's on a pretty big deal, so I don't know if it's realistic. But that is—is is that another type of archetype guy that you would you would enjoy? He's a bit of a true point guard. Yeah, Rubio is my guy. I mean, I I think Rubio is a—he might not be a great player, but he's a damn solid basketball player that knows how to win games by helping a team play the right way. Right, right. Kale, okay, what else we got? Uh, coach, uh, what's your feeling on playing marginally better trust guys out of position versus less experienced guys playing the appropriate position? This is an interesting one. So would you rather, I'm guessing, play, you know, a shooting guard at small forward because you, it's a guy you trust or a guy who's more of a small forward, but you don't trust him as much, but it's his right position. (laughs) Well, I'm more into positionless basketball than, I mean, for me, there's a need for you – know, most of the time, you need a big guy. In the NBA today, you probably need one. And then the other guys on me, I want to be basketball players. So I think you see it around – I mean, you, you see it all around the league. Chicago plays four guards. Yeah. You can say Golden State plays four guards. You can say, uh, you know, Phoenix Suns, they, they have uh, – they have the big guy, the, the muscle defender, I forget his name, but they play a lot of athletic six, seven guys. And I don't know who's the small forward. I don't know who the power forward is. It's all based upon your strengths and weaknesses uh, and matchups. And I think right now the NBA is going to more small ball and more and more teams seemingly doing it in a very successful way. And uh, I wouldn't be crazy on interpreting position as much. I would be interpreting what they can do for my basketball team. What else, Cal? We got another one? Let's see if he got one lined up. Is that it? (laughs) Maybe he's gone there. (laughs) 
her sleep at the wheel. Um, before we get out of here, then it sounds like that's it. He's saying that's all. So before we get out of here, just what's something you want to see? We, we we'll we'll talk nuggets here again in a couple of weeks, coach. But here over the next two or three weeks, really before Christmas, what is it you're hoping to see? If there's one thing you say, I want to see that, that'll be signs of they're on the right track. I think they're in a very much a survival mode right now. Their schedule is very, very difficult. And that's why the Miami gave me a lot of hope that they're they're back in a good place. Their month of December is difficult. I think they have three home games, maybe four. Yeah, it's not much. And some of them are against I know Golden State's here. I, I know we got them at the end of the year. I don't know if they're home or not. They're playing playoff basketball teams most of those nights. And uh, I think for me, they just uh, survive this bad stretch of schedule and figure out their roster, rely upon Jokic probably a great deal to win some games for them. And then come January, hopefully find <clears throat> some optimistic mentality with the injuries and the, and hopefully the connection that the team can make by winning some games. This reminds me a little bit of your 2013 schedule where it was very front-loaded with road games. And I think I recall you saying you knew, hey, when we get to January, let's all focus. January is where we're going to make our season. That's when you made the big run. You think you see something similar with Denver. Survive. When we get to our moment, it's time to pick our spot to really, really try to get a streak going. I haven't studied their schedule a lot, but I think their best part of their schedule is late. It's It's March and April that it really gets good for them. So I think you gotta you gotta be, you gotta find a better connection, a better team. This, and then in the same sense, you gotta figure out who's gonna play, when they're gonna play, how they're gonna play. And then, uh, I, as I said, I think probably a trade along the way to make try to make it work better. Um, but we were 17 and 15 in 2013, the first week of January. We were two games over 500. But we were like a plus seven right. in the Doug Mo system. <laughs> the Doug Mo system. All right. Well, that does it for this week's uh, edition of the Keeping It 1000 podcast. Don't forget, guys, subscribe to this podcast. You might be hearing it in the Truth and Basketball feed, which is a fantastic feed. You should also be subscribed to. You might be hearing this in the DNVR Nuggets podcast feed, which is also great. But subscribe to the Keeping It 1000 one. That has its own feed as well. Uh, You're going to want to be over there. And if you do have an opportunity, leave a rating and review on iTunes. That always helps people discover the show and allows the show to grow. Coach, thank you so much uh, for your thoughts. A lot more negative than positive, but hey, that's what the season's brought us so far. Um, I hope hope it was truthful. It was definitely truthful. (laughs) I feel like I thought you might even go a little harder, to be honest. Well... I'm frustrated, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm more, I, but I also understand that, you know, there's some reason in it, and it's way too early to pick. Right, for sure. All right, everybody, have a great weekend, and we will be back again next time on the Keeping It 1000 podcast. See you then.